Hello, everyone. I am super excited about today's episode. I am continuing kind of off of last week's episode, which was about apex predators, but specifically I talked about some research that I did with white-tailed deer and coyotes, also people. But the idea of the research was to see if coyotes could be apex predators for white-tailed deer here in the eastern United States. Given that I talked about coyotes last time, I thought it would be a great time to talk about coyotes again. I also subscribe to the Wildlife, the Wildlife Resources Commission email, that's our local state agency here, and they said that coyotes are on the move, so it just seemed like a good time to talk about them. These are, you can hear my own coyote, my, that's my dog, barking in the background. That's okay. I'm just going to keep recording. So these guys, coyotes, are totally misunderstood. In fact, this is one of my favorite things to talk about because there's so many misconceptions about them. And quite literally, people are scared of them. And as you'll find out from my podcast, there's, there's really not a lot of reason, or really, there's really no reason to be scared of them. And I just think it's so interesting that we love our dogs so much, or, so, or many people love their dogs, but we, so many people do not like coyotes. So it's just interesting. And my dog really does kind of look like a coyote. He looks like a coyote red fox hybrid. I'll, I'll try to post a picture on the show notes. But before I get into talking about coyotes, I want to talk about a couple of things. So first, I am doing weekly book giveaways. I'm doing this for at least the next three weeks. So this first one started on Wednesday, and it is on Instagram. So how to enter is you go to that post, and you tag someone who you think will love the book. Oh, this is for a gift. I should tell you what I'm giving away. It's a giveaway for my book, Becoming a Wildlife Biologist. Sorry, not Becoming. I'm really scattered today. Getting a job in wildlife biology. I was thinking of the title, Becoming a Wildlife Biologist. It's called Getting a Job in Biology, What It's Like and What You Need to Know. And I'm giving away one every week. So this week, go to Instagram, go to my post, tag someone who you think will like the book, and then write what your dream wildlife job is. You can enter more than once if you want to, so you have more chances. And then on Tuesday, so this will be, geez, I don't even know what date it will be, Tuesday, November 17th, I am going to pick a winner. So I am just going to, I'm gonna do it very scientifically. I am going to count the number of comments, and then I'm going to use a random number generator to generate the number, and then whoever commented on that number is going to be the winner. And if you're international, you can still enter. I'll send you a PDF version of the book. And if you are in the United States, I will mail it to you, and I will sign it. I will write you a secret message. It will be very exciting. So that's going to be week one, which is this week. And then week two is going to be a YouTube video. So you go to my YouTube, Fancy Scientist or Stephanie Shuttler, you'll find me. And what I am going to do is record a short video and it's going to contain a secret question. And then you are going to comment with your answer 
but you have to take a screenshot of it and send it to me in an email. So I'm going to set up an email exclusively for that. So I so stay tuned to my social media, to this podcast for details on that, because I can't contact you directly on YouTube. So that's the way that's going to work. The third week is going to be all about this podcast. To submit to enter, you, I am asking you to do a review my podcast to leave a review for me. And again, take a screenshot, send it in, and and yeah, and then you will you will get to enter. So three weeks, three books giving away more if I have an international winner and if I have a United States winner. Another thing I wanted to talk about is if you go to my website, fancyscientist.com, there is a button for uh, free training. Very soon, at the end of this month, I haven't picked the date and time yet, so make sure you get on the wait list. I am doing a free training. I've done this once before, but it's new and improved, and this is the seven steps to find your wildlife biology career. So many people contact me and they are just lost. So I talk about this in my book, but I do, this webinar is more explicit and more step-by-step of exactly how to do it. So make sure you get on the wait list to sign up for my live training. And then my live training, this leads into my Confusion to Clarity course, which ran over July. It was a huge success. I'm so excited about redoing this course, relaunching it. It's opening up again in December. And the whole point of this course is if you are confused about wildlife biology careers, if you are, you know you want to be in this field, but you don't know what you want to do, or maybe you're having second thoughts about where you are in your career, this is the class for you. I'm going to do a lot more group coaching. I am going to do even some one-on-one sessions, and this is going to change your life. It really will. You'll figure out clarity about what you want to be. And the reviews I got back from students were amazing. They just had so many questions answered. And I think the biggest thing was that they got information that they didn't know they needed. And this is what was so important for me when I went through graduate school and after, like I collectively got all this experience and then being on the job market, And then you find out you don't know what you don't know. So that's the thing I love about this class is I just tell you guys the stuff that you don't know and that you don't know you need to know. And it's just, there's nothing out there like it. Your advisors won't be able to help you to this level. Even I was talking to my friend and she was a student advisor at a university. You know, she was hired for that position to advise undergraduates. And she and I are talking and she's like, I can't keep up to date. It's really hard. You're, you, you have all these other responsibilities. So I know what it's like to be on the job market. I've been in your shoes. I am also a ray of sunshine, a beam of sunshine in your life. Meaning that, you know, everyone is not the nicest and the most upbeat, or maybe not not the nicest, but they're not the most like upbeat and positive and supportive. So that's another one of my big 
values here on the fancy scientist is to be really positive and supportive for you guys and believe in you because science is hard there is or it's not hard there's it it, it can be hard (laughs) but I don't want you to think it's too hard that you can't enter it but what I mean by hard is that there's a lot of rejection from grants from papers from jobs Blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of rejection. Okay. So anyways, that was a really long intro for coyotes. So let's go ahead and get started on the meat of the subject. No pun intended. Let's talk about coyotes. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice, all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. Okay, so first, let's get started with what's the deal with coyotes. And when I say what's the deal, I mean that people have been talking about coyotes a lot more recently. And why is that? So this is not going to be as much like coyote fun facts. It's more about living with coyotes and clearing up some of the misconceptions that we have or people have. I don't have them about coyotes. So one of the big reasons why coyotes are talked about a lot is because traditionally coyotes are western species. So here in North America and the United States, coyotes are found in the western portion of the continent. But what's happened over the past few decades is that coyotes have expanded their range. So they have moved basically in all directions. They have moved definitely eastward, which is why we see coyotes here in North Carolina. So I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. Coyotes historically have never been here, but within the past 30 years, they have expanded their range. So now we have coyotes all over the United States. And even here in North Carolina, I've mentioned a couple of times before, that we did this this statewide citizen science camera trapping project. So we have these, these camera traps. They are triggered by heat and motion. And whenever a critter walks by, or a warm-blooded critter walks by, I should say, that's bigger than about a chipmunk, these cameras get triggered and they take a series of pictures of that animal. So even here in North Carolina, we have the Outer Banks, which is a series of islands, and we had camera traps up on the Outer Banks, and we got coyotes playing in the sand on the beach. Well, I shouldn't say directly on the beach, but we had them in some some sandy areas, so we didn't have the camera traps like set up on the ocean waves, and the coyotes weren't like you know, swimming along in the ocean. No, they were, but they were in a sandy area and it was fun to see that, see it that way. They have also expanded their range considerably south. And my former boss, Dr. Roland Case, and one of our graduate students, Allison Hody, they were doing a project on coyotes in in Panama, which is which is where they were, which is the most southern portion of their range, and they called this project 
canid collision because of the coyotes and the crab-eating foxes. Like they were going to meet in Panama and what was going to happen. So you can go to emammal.org and see photos of this canid collision project or photos from it. And the cool thing about these photos is that the coyotes look very dog-like. And that's likely because, or it is because they're at the edge of their range. So there's not as many coyotes around. So coyotes, when they have the choice to breed, they are going to choose to breed with coyote, which is their species. But if there's no other coyotes around, they will essentially breed with the next best thing, which is a dog. So if you look at um, emammal.org and search for canid collision, you'll see some really interesting photos of coyotes that look like dogs. We will definitely talk about, actually, we'll talk about it now. So one of the misconceptions about coyotes here in the East is that there are koi wolves. So, and also koi dogs too. And these guys are like some, people think they're like bigger than coyotes and the way that people talk about him it always it almost feels like they're like a kind of like a super animal but this is a misconception and my boss Roland Kays um, in addition to the canon collision he has studied coyotes a lot and he wrote an article for the conversation on this and it's called there's no such thing as a koi wolf but basically yes you can have hybrid animals between coyotes wolves and dogs but they are not really hybridizing in the wild in one average eastern coyote there is the genetic composition is roughly 84% coyote, 8% wolf, and 8% dog. So coyotes will be mostly coyotes but they'll have some dog genes in them, some wolf genes in them. So they're mostly those species. So we're not really having those like like half coyote, half wolf hybrids that that is a myth. That's a we're busting myths here. That is a misconception. So I'll link to that paper in the show notes. And one of the reasons why coyotes actually maybe I should add something in there before we get to that. So here in North Carolina, we do have red wolves and they have been reintroduced to the eastern part of the state. They are some consider them a critically endangered species. Some consider them an experimental species. But um, regardless, there's very few wild red wolves. So these guys are, there's only like 40 of them. And they are, they have been captive bred and re-released into the wild. And they are different than the gray wolf, different than coyotes, but some scientists have some scientists have had debate whether they should be a real species or not, if they are really just ancestral wolf coyote hybrids. So that is a whole other um, podcast topic. But hybridization in that area actually is a real threat for the red wolves there because if there aren't enough red wolves, and when you have 40 individuals, you don't really have 
have that many individuals. So when there aren't enough red wolves, they're going to go again for the next best thing, which is coyotes. So one of the big conservation challenges of working with red wolves is actually that they hybridize with coyotes a lot. And when this happens, this is really sad. So a lot of the, or I think all of them are tracked by collars and scientists know when they're having pups, but if they have hybrid pups, they have to go in there and euthanize them because it's diluting more of the red wolf genes. So this is an area where you may have hybrids, but again, this is a really small area in North Carolina. So the whole idea of an Eastern koi wolf, usually when people are talking about it, I, I usually think they're referring more to the Northeast, Northeastern United States. So this is, even if we do have a couple hybrids, it's not like we have this whole like new subspecies of koi wolves. That is not a thing. Okay, so one of the reasons why coyotes have been so successful at expanding their range is because last time I had talked about we or I talked about that we had lost our apex predators here in the eastern United States. So we lost gray wolves, we lost mountain lions. So with this removal of this top predator, it's been easy easier for coyotes to move in. Now, gray wolves and mountain lions, they don't really prey upon coyotes. Like they're that's not like their main prey base. They're not gonna want to eat them, but they will kill them for competition reasons. And just in general, the competition makes it harder for a coyote to survive with this, those apex predators around, especially gray wolves, which are obviously more similar to them, given that they're canids compared to mountain lions. So that's one of the reasons why they've been able to expand. But also, they're just such amazing generalists. And actually, and historically, coyotes are a more of a prairie species. So they were, you know, around the, the Great Plains a lot. But prairie land got transitioned into agriculture, which is also open. And with development here in the east, urban development, it's also more open. So there's these little edge habitats and coyotes have been really good at adapting to these, these types of habitat and just adapting to the different environments so they are like I said they're generalists so yes they are carnivores and they eat meat but they can also eat a lot of vegetative products specifically fruits they're they're more vegetarians than you than you might think or they eat more vegetation than you might think but they're just they, they have a wide prey base and they can adapt so one of the other things about coyotes that I wanted to talk about in, in terms of like what's the deal with coyotes or one of the reasons why we are hearing so much about coyotes nowadays is because of this amazing ability of them to adapt to urbanization. That is why people have been seeing them, and we'll talk a little bit about this, but some coyotes have some bizarre behavior. So coyotes have really adapted to the most uh, populous cities here in the United States. Coyotes live in Chicago, in LA, in New York City, in Central Park in New York City, and there is a scientist, Stan Garrett, who studies the coyotes in Chicago. And when I talk about coyotes living in Chicago, so 
before I talked about mountain lions living in LA. And yes, mountain lions do live in LA, but it's more like the green areas outside of LA. You're not going to find a mountain lion really in downtown central LA. Coyotes, though, are different. When I went to this urban wildlife conference in Chicago, Stan picked us up from the airport, and as we were driving, he was showing me where the different packs hang out because he has them all collared with transmitters so they can follow him. And one of them was using Indy, which is a major interstate here in the United States, as a corridor. So these guys, even I was shocked. I'm a, I'm a wildlife biologist and I was shocked at how urban these coyotes are living. So they're really downtown Chicago. And this is, I just think this is amazing. I think it is so cool that these animals have been able to adapt to such urban environments. And by far, most of the time they don't get noticed. Now, there are some experience or some cases where they do get noticed, and this is again, what's the deal with coyotes? But there's cases of in LA, people will see coyotes frequently. Again, I don't think as much Chicago, but there is this story of a coyote going into a Quiznos and it wasn't rabid. It just like walked into a Quiznos and then I think it sat in the the cool drink area. So yeah, that was a very bold coyote. And another story about a coyote in Portland in Portland, Oregon, riding the subway, like actually getting on the subway and riding it. So these are some pretty crazy coyote stories. And coyotes, like I said, they've adapted to urban situations, urban environments, but they've also become bolder. And this is something that I'm studying in my research to look at the boldness levels of not only coyotes, but all the animals we get on camera traps and see if if in urban areas, or in, in our case, suburban areas here in North Carolina, if these animals are bolder. So I actually had a test, an experiment, where I would put out a flamingo, which is like a, it's a foreign object that that, that animals don't normally come across. People, Most people don't have fl lawn flamingos. And I did it before and after with camera traps. I had two sets of camera traps. One camera trap, I put a flamingo out and the other one I didn't. And I collected all these data across suburban areas, rural areas, exurban areas to look at the differences between their behaviors in approaching the flamingo. So if they're more bold in urban areas, we would expect them to approach the flamingo more quickly, to investigate it, to touch it. And we did get some really cool pictures on these camera traps and a couple of coyotes even biting the plastic lawn flamingo. I haven't analyzed the data yet, so I'm still looking forward to doing that. But it was just like a really fun study and hopefully we'll get some cool results out of that. People think that one of the reasons that coyotes have been able to adapt so much to city life is they believe that these animals are 
scavenging food, human food. So breaking through trash bags and getting scraps outside of restaurants, whatever they can find, scavenging different areas. But the truth is, studies show that these coyotes are actually hunting. So uh, although they do scavenge, they... That's not the my that's not the majority of their diet. The majority of their diet is uh, prey. And Chicago coyotes mostly ate rodents. Forty two percent of their diet was rodents, and the rest was fruit, deer, which is probably fawn, cottontail, rabbits, birds. So if you're in a, sh- a city like Chicago and it's rodents, we can maybe make the assumption that they're eating large rats. And if you're someone who lives in Chicago, maybe this is a good idea to keep coyotes around and, and they're providing an ecosystem service for the city. The study also showed that the coyotes in Chicago were 100% monogamous. And that is just so rare in mammal species. So I just love that fact about coyotes that they're that they're so loyal to each other. Because coyotes have become more urban and more suburban, people are seeing them more and I think this is a big reason to, that contributes to why people don't like them or hate them. I think the fear of coyotes is similar to the fear on of wolves where we see in these movies that you could be like sitting at a campfire and then all of a sudden like a pack of wolves come up to you and coyotes look very similar to wolves but this this doesn't happen at all this is a totally false narrative I also think that people think that there are like tons of coyotes out there and they're forming these large packs and yes there are coyotes but I think it's built up in people's head how big the groups are and actually there's been a there was a study at human perception of coyotes howling and humans always overestimated the group size of the coyotes so they thought that there were many more coyotes howling when they listened to these recordings than um, there actually were so coyotes are blamed for a couple of things and i'll take you through each one of those and we can see how much truth there is to this so the first one is killing cats the coyotes kill cats Second one is a lot of people blame coyotes for killing deer and for deer declines here in the, and this is mostly in the eastern United States, or from, to my knowledge, only in the eastern United States. And this would be white-tailed deer. And then there's also some strange news stories that invoke fear into people of coyotes. So there's some things, there's some stories about coyotes following people. And again, we can get into that a little bit later but first let's talk about cats now this one is true coyotes do kill domestic cats in fact on our camera traps we had camera traps like I said all over the state all over the mid-atlantic region and we have several photos of coyotes with cats in their mouths now the cats could have been roadkill to be fair but it I mean, coyotes should be killing cats. I mean, it's it doesn't it's not unreasonable to believe that they kill cats. It's within their prey repertoire. 
Now, that being said, now I'm a cat owner. I own four rescue cats. I love them to death, but I don't think we should blame coyotes for killing cats. I personally believe if you let your cat outdoors, that's a risk you face. And coyotes are just doing what they do. It's their natural instinct. There's, I just don't feel like there's anything that we can do about it. And the best thing that you can do for your cats is to keep them in, indoors. And that's not only for their safety. Actually, that was the main driver why I kept all my cats indoors because I didn't want to come home to like a roadkill cat. But conservationists are really passionate about the subject, about keeping cats indoors because cats kill so much wildlife. So just like I was talking about the coyotes and it's their instinct to kill animals, it's also cats are predators too. Cats have instincts to kill. And with house cats, they're not even hungry. A lot of them, although my cats, even they're, one's, one's obese, she is, and the others are chubby. And man, they act like they are starving. I can't imagine if they were really starving because sometimes, sometimes they trick me. It's like, you know, 3 p.m. and they're like begging for their dinner. And I'm like, no, you guys are really good weights. Like you could even afford to lose some. So I know you're not starving. Anyway, I digress. But cats, they kill for fun. I know my cats would be super killers if I let them out. And for a, a lot of these animals, so it's usually small mammals they kill, birds, and small reptiles like lizards. And it is particularly detrimental to birds because small mammals, they usually have pretty quick lifespans. They don't live, they don't live that long to begin with. Most species that live near people are common. So it's not as a big of a problem for small mammals, but it is a real big problem for birds. And cat cat killings, cat the cats killing the birds ha, is a is a major threat to to bird species that are threatened with extinction, that are, that they're endangered. So uh, if you have cats out there, please keep them indoors. If you do let them outside, you can buy them harnesses, which I know looks funny. Actually, my mom for our our cat at home, she would put the harness on the cat and when she tied the harness to a tree the cat Roxy she wiggled herself out of it so what my mom did is put the harness on with like the long leash and she didn't tie it up to anything and she would watch Roxy and there were instances when Roxy was getting close to like stalking something and trying to kill it and she always stopped it so that's that's an option if you do want to let your cat go outdoors so yeah so coyotes do kill cats Coyotes do kill small dogs too. So people who have the, the, I mean, I don't know what kinds of dogs they are, but you know, the, the toy dogs, those little dogs, they should be really careful, especially letting their dogs outside at night. And you might not want to let them loose in a fenced area or even if your area is fenced, but instead take them on a leash and walk them so so it's at reduced risk. They do make these funny little coats with like spikes on them. I am not sure if they work or not, but you could try that too. But yes, coyotes do kill cats. Some people also think that coyotes will lead pet dogs into their pack for the kill. As I mentioned, though, we don't really see these large pack sizes in the eastern U.S. And there was a study that looked into Canadian news reports of coyotes and dogs, and these occurred from 1995 to 2010. 
they found that 34 out of 38 attacks were on small dogs and that large dogs were actually chasing coyotes. In these cases, 92% of the dogs were unleashed. 18 small dogs were attacked in their backyard. But the most important thing that I think comes from this study is that 30% of the cases had known feeding of coyotes nearby. So this is either accidental or on purpose. So accidental would be something like throwing out scraps to your yard, like if you had a compost. But honestly, accidental is probably more like you have pet food out there. And on purpose is, is people purposely feeding coyotes or other wildlife. So this really leads to human wildlife conflict and it is best not to feed wildlife. You're really not helping them out. One of the biggest things that we can do to reduce coyote human conflict is to keep food, keep human food inside, keep pet food inside. As I mentioned before, coyotes don't really scavenge, but if there is a bowl of pet food outside of your house for your dogs, for your cats, I mean, that's a really easy meal for them. So this is, we think that this is one of the reasons why coyotes are getting more bold, that they're getting more brave because they know that these are easy sources of food. So if you want to keep coyotes at bay, then you should bring any food indoors. Everyone should do that, even if you don't care about the situation, because it it really de- depends on our ability to work together as communities, because if one person is feeding wildlife, then it really affects all the the people around us. And feeding wildlife is not good for them. They lose the ability to learn how to hunt for, for some animals. So for example, for black bears, it is really, really bad for them. And there's been cases of this one bear I know was fed donuts and they actually um, had to translocate it because it was becoming too friendly, too close to, to people, which can then therefore be dangerous. And the bear, when it was moved to its new area, it it was like starving itself because it was so in love with these donuts, with these sweet treats that it either just didn't want to eat regular food or that it lost its instincts to be able to, to eat normal bear food. So people think that they're helping wildlife, but they're not. They're actually doing wildlife more harm. So do not feed animals with the exception of bird seed, but make sure that it doesn't get on the ground for animals like raccoons um, to, to get it because like I said, it, it creates problems. It creates to more human wildlife conflict. Okay, now killing deer. This is a lot more complicated. So as I mentioned in the last podcast, coyotes don't really predate adult deer. That's it's pretty difficult for them. And like I said, I scoured the literature for my my study that I did and I could not really find any evidence. There's just a couple of anecdotal stories of coyotes killing adult deer. Our camera trap research found that coyotes were actually mostly observed alone and the average group size from our camera trap detections was 1.9 individuals. So definitely not these these big groups as we're as you can see in in wolves. 
I think it was like maybe only one or two papers. But they do kill fawns. And then if you remember from my paper, my research paper as well that I talked about, we looked at deer vigilance, which is an indicator of fear. So the more vigilant deer are, that means the more they suspect predators in their environment. So if coyotes are, are, are a predator to adult deer, they're going to be more vigilant in areas with, with higher coyote abundance. And in our research, we did not find that. So that suggests that adult deer are not fearful of coyotes, at least in, in terms of reflected through vigilance. Perhaps there's other ways, but vigilance is a really great score of, of risk predation. Or sorry, predators. So getting back to deer and coyotes, I guess we were talking about deer and coyotes, but going back to how coyotes might affect deer populations is through fawns. So coyotes definitely prey upon fawns. They definitely kill them. Fawn mortality for coyotes can be anywhere between about 10% to 50%. But the question is whether their killings are additive or compensatory. So what this means is that if you never had coyotes or never had a predator and you have a deer population, there are going to be a certain percentage of fawns that do not make it, that die anyway. So even without any predators, if you're in a limited environment, there's got not going to be enough food always or there's going to be disease. So not all of them are going to make it. So the question is, is the presence of coyotes killing more deer than 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 would not have survived normally. So are they so the, so fawns that are already dying are they adding on to that? Are they creating more fawn deaths or are they killing fawns that would have died anyways? So the presence of coyotes doesn't really have any impact on the deer population. So this is really hard to study and there are there's studies it's, it's okay. Let me ask and add something else to it too that adds to deer deaths in the north. You have colder winters as well, so a fawn might not make it through the winter. But here in the southeast, it's less challenging. They do prey upon fawn, and it does seem like they have more impact in some experiments they did with control areas. And so they removed coyotes and they had coyotes add back in into these experimental enclosure plots. And they did find some differences in that the coyotes killed more fawns compared to the exclusion plots. However, when looking at a larger picture, my former boss, Dr. Roland Kays, did a study with other co-authors on the relationship between coyotes and deer, and they looked at deer population trends from 1981 to 2014, and they used 384 counties from six eastern states in the United States. They used deer harvest as a proxy for deer relative abundance, and they looked at populations since the arrival of coyotes, and overall they found that deer populations experienced positive population growth following coyote arrival. So this suggests that coyotes are not having a big impact on deer populations. But... The problem is that it is really, really, really hard to 
get rid of coyotes. Even in these exclusion plots, they had challenges with it. So I don't think any of them were 100% coyote proof because remember, I said coyotes are great adapters. They, they adapt to the environment. They're really great generalists. So think about like what kind of fence you would have to have to keep coyotes out. You think they're dogs, so my dog can dig under a fence. So if a coyote really wants to get in there, it seems like they could find some ways to get in there. Then there are these stories of coyotes following people. So they are bolder. They are more curious. It seems to happen with people who have dogs more. I'm not sure if they're smaller dogs or not, but it would make sense to me more that they're smaller dogs or the coyotes are attracted more to the smaller dogs because they that invokes more of their prey response or predator response. But there are cases where people report like going into a forest and coyotes following them. And but what I mean by following them is they're not like running after them, chasing them, but just being too curious, coming coming too close. So in those situations, what I recommend you do is very similar to the mountain lion. You want to make yourself look big. You're going to want to be loud. So things you can do are clap your hands. You can shake your keys, yell at the coyote, tell it to go away. You can throw rocks in its direction, throw sticks in its direction. Maybe it'll be like a dog and go fetch it. No, I'm just joking. But again, you're going to want to be big and scary so the coyote will leave you alone. If coyotes do that, it's very unlikely that they are rabid. I think they're just being curious. And I guess it could be the early stages of rabies. So if you're if it's a, if it's at your house or somewhere you live and you see this coyote constantly hanging out, then I would call your state agency, state wildlife agency and and report it. But you will be able to tell rabid animals very much from non-rabid ones. So so the curious coyotes, they might approach you, but they're not going to be vicious or aggressive. And here in North Carolina, we had both stories reported where there was one of a coyote following a man and his dog in the woods. And the coyote did keep his distance, but the man was concerned. And then there was another story of a rabid coyote and somebody took phone footage of this video footage. And man, you can really tell this coyote is rabid. It is extremely aggressive. It was even like trying to attack the car. So that's a not a normal coyote at all. That is a very rabid and dangerous coyote. And in that case, you need to call the police or animal control, whoever can get out there and take care of the situation. Cases like these make people scared of coyotes, but quite honestly, you don't have to be. When I would set up my camera traps, especially with kids at at the schools, they would actually get coyotes frequently at their camera traps. And they, the, a lot of these schools, most of the schools were suburban, so it wasn't like the most rural areas. And when I would set up the camera traps, the kids were like, aren't you scared? Like, what's what's the most, what's the scariest animal you see when you, when you set up camera traps? And so far, my scariest incident is when I was setting up camera traps and I had to walk around this field and there was a big flock of Canada goose and they just wouldn't move. And it was like the only area I could walk through. 
And they just like stared at me and wouldn't move. And then they started to hiss at me. And I was like, yes, they're they're the scariest animal. But I've I've never seen a, a wild coyote. The only place I've seen one is Yellowstone National Park. And Yellowstone is pretty special. It's pretty these animals are used to tourists and people driving around in cars. So it's it's more likely you're going to see a coyote there. But I've never seen a coyote here in North Carolina. We get lots of gray foxes, lots of red foxes in our neighborhood. I've seen a gray fox downtown Raleigh, but I have not yet seen a coyote and I really want to see one. So you don't need to be scared of coyotes. You don't need to be scared to go walking in the woods. Coyote attacks are very, very, very rare. It's amazing because so many people are scared of wild animals, but yet the animal that causes the most danger to us, at least here in the United States, is the domestic dog. You're much more likely to get bit by an aggressive dog than you are a wild animal. And here we love dogs. And in fact, we have like whole campaigns against certain breeds that are perceived as being more aggressive or more vicious. It's the same thing with coyotes. They're blamed for, for things that they don't really do. For a talk I gave on coyotes, I gathered some data on coyote bites. And these data are from 1960 to 2006 so not super recent but it probably hasn't changed dramatically over the past 15 years there were 142 attacks total on people 85 percent of those were in western states and the types of of bites were 37 percent predatory 22 percent investigative six percent pet related and seven percent were from a rabid coyote now, maybe you're thinking, oh, 37%, that sounds like a lot. But to put things in perspective, in 2009, 88 Americans were killed by domestic dogs. And there are 1,000 Americans that go to the hospital for dog bites about every day. It's a rough figure. But domestic dogs, like I said, we love them, but they pose a way bigger threat to us than coyotes do. And there was actually one person who was killed by coyotes. This was a, a verified killing in Canada. She was actually a, a folk singer. And she was so for conservation and um, wildlife that her family actually did not want people to fear coyotes and they kept promoting that message that that wildlife belongs there and that this is not a normal thing and that we shouldn't take it out against the wildlife so so yeah you don't need to be scared of coyotes and like I said unless you really see one acting weirdly or acting aggressively then you're going to want to call for help but for the most part you're lucky to see one like I said I have never seen one now, even though I am telling you not to be scared of coyotes or, you know, it's just a part of life that they might kill your cat, people still hate them. And actually, a lot of hunters hate them. When I have posted about coyotes on my Instagram, I get a lot of backlash from hunters specifically, and they blame coyotes for the deer decline. 
And they argue that it is really important to control the coyote population by, of course, hunting them. And not even hunting them, but just killing them. They have coyote killing contests across the United, well, at least here in the eastern United States, they have coyote killing contests. And I don't even think there is any season or anything. I think, at least here in North Carolina, I think you can just kill them. I don't know if there's limits. But people tend to think of them as a nuisance species. I guess another reason people might might hate them too is because they are perceived to go after chickens as well. I don't think they're perceived to go, off, to go after livestock like, like gray wolves are, although maybe smaller species. But I do know people blame them for chickens and actually there was a chicken coop study that was done in our lab and I don't think coyotes were detected at all near chicken coops. We had camera traps near chicken coops and I don't believe there are any coyotes photographed near them. So so people don't like them and they want to kill them but here's the thing. I don't care what your stance is on hunting. This is this is not me coming from like a I don't want to shoot animals. I don't want to kill them because I think that's what a lot of people think. It's that it doesn't work. The research is showing it doesn't work. And like I said, my boss, he studies coyotes or my former boss, he studies coyotes and he did research on this and he looked at the rates of coyote um, population growth in all these different states. And since they have entered the state, so remember I said they're, they've been expanding into these states, they've never lived there before. So he's been looking at their population growth and the hunter numbers, because hunters have to report the number of animals they kill. And hunting is doing nothing to decrease these populations. They are just going like exponential. So it just, it just doesn't work. Lots and lots of coyotes are killed each year. For example, in North Carolina alone, about 40,000 coyotes were killed. This is from a couple of years ago. I'm looking at a talk that I gave, but... I'm assuming the numbers, or the numbers probably haven't changed that dramatically. And like I said, from that other exclusion experiment, it's really hard to keep coyotes out. So once you start killing them, they just start coming back. And even the North Carolina Wildlife Resources um, Commission, in one of their email newsletters, they had a statement. I had They had a report actually analyzing all of the different studies on coyotes and they came to the conclusion as well that killing is not an effective means to control them and that's an agency that they make their money from hunting so they're definitely not anti-hunting at all but it really looks like killing coyotes is ineffective for controlling their populations and actually scientists think that it could be even worse it could make the situation even worse so what we have going on is when coyotes are not disturbed, they form a monogamous pair. So you have a male and a female, and they have young, and they have territories. Now, they're not as pack-oriented as wolves are. Wolves will be in this pack full of their family members, and they'll be in these big groups. Coyotes will be in these pairs, and then some of the young may stay with them. But we don't see them in these large groups as compared to, to wolves. But when you have a male who is older and can secure a territory and 
therefore he's monitoring the territory it's his it's his home range it's his area he wants to keep other coyotes out because his mate is there and he wants to be the only one to mate with her so he is the one who is chasing those coyotes out making sure they don't come in also if he is an established male he is probably bigger scarier (laughs) to the coyotes and likely tougher more aggressive compared to like some young coyote so in that case if you are a young coyote who is dispersing trying to find your new area and you come across all these territories that are occupied by older males, it's going to be harder for you to survive. And I mean, you're going to have to find your own new territory and who knows how far you have to go and if you're going to be able to get enough food along the way. So it is much harder for these younger coyotes to survive. But in situations where you have a lot of killing going on, especially these killing contests, which are, you know, quite literally killing as many coyotes as you can, you're constantly removing these older individuals from the landscape and it's kind of a free for all. So all of these coyotes are mating, they're all dispersing, there's not really strong established territories and therefore there's just my, more coyotes all over the place because nobody is really is really like guarding their territory and keeping others out so essentially like all of the coyotes can go anywhere and there's just more coyotes everywhere so again killing coyotes does not is not an effective solution in terms of reducing their numbers you might kill a lot of individuals but they just bounce right back and even in higher numbers that's what the data looks like it looks like the population keeps growing and growing and growing so coyotes are here to stay here in the east we cannot get rid of them at least with any solutions that exist today so we're going to have to coexist with them so I hope this this podcast, this video, I'm recording this on YouTube as well for you podcast listeners. I hope this um, gave you some new insight into coyotes and gave you some tips for living alongside them. But again, you don't have to be scared. It is extremely rare to even see a coyote, even though they are becoming more bold here in urban areas. So like any animal, just appreciate them and watch them from afar unless they're really causing problems for you or you see signs of a disease like rabies. Wait, I wanted to add one more thing before I go. I talked about hunting and not having any impact in terms of reducing population size, but what it might do that we don't know enough about is invoke a fear response of coyotes towards humans. And it might provide those behavioral anti-predator effects that I talked about in the previous podcast episode, in episode number 31. So coyotes in more hunted areas, they might be more fearful of people. They would likely be more shy, less bold. So that might be a solution to some of those problems. But in my opinion, they're they're not really big problems. Again, coyote attacks are just really, really, really rare. You're much more likely to get attacked by a domestic dog. Okay, Now I'm really finished with that episode. 
Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful for you. Kind of sitting there a little bit. Don't forget to enter the Instagram contest and try to win my book, Getting a Job in Wildlife Biology, what it's like, what you need to know. And don't forget to sign up for that free training. Trust me, it's going to be helpful for you, especially if you just are confused, don't know what steps to take. I know this this career is so weird. There's no like there's no like guidebook and that's really what I try to do with my book and now with my course coming out. So, I hope to see you there. Also p- feel free to reach out to me if you have specific questions. You can send them to me through social media. I'm thinking about starting a separate podcast episode each week where I answer somebody's questions about careers in wildlife biology or actually whatever you want. Send me whatever you want. But I'm at Fancy Scientist. You can also send it to Stephanie at FancyScientist.com. Thanks guys so much. I hope you have a fantastic day and be kind to each other, especially in these post-election times. Be nice and be kind to animals too. Bye.